Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. I'm so honored that I get to share with you something that I feel like God has put on my heart for us as a church. And listen, there's, there's something that you need to know about me is um, when I'm going through it, I'm going to be sharing it with you guys. All right, when there's things I'm going through in life, when there's struggles that I'm dealing with, because I know I'm not alone, right? You ever go through something in life, you're like, oh, man, no one else is dealing with this. I'm by myself. That's just not true. We're all going through it. So I'm just going to share something that God has been working on in my life, and I hope it ministers to you this morning. Can you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11? Matthew chapter 11. Now, this is actually the first time that I'm speaking um, since my job changed here. I was a kids pastor. I was a kids pastor for 15 years, not all here, but here the last seven and a half years. And so my job has changed, now the associate pastor. So what I want to do is I just want to get started on the right foot. Can we do that this morning? I need to share some things with you. I can be a very awkward person, all right? I'm that guy, all right? I have so many stories. My friends have so many stories of me being in awkward situations. Can we not make this morning an awkward situation? And what I mean by that is... As I'm up here speaking, if there's something that you agree with, you are allowed, you are encouraged to say amen. You are encouraged to talk back. That helps me. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they're just like stone-facing you? And you're like, you're checking for a pulse. You're like, come on, dude, don't do this to me right now, right? You know what I'm talking about. Don't do that to me, all right? Smiling, nodding. Bob Barker, I see you, all right? At least give me that, all right? But if you agree with something that I say, I want you shouting back at me. All right, we're going to read a few verses this morning just to kind of set us up. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to read verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can we pray one more time? God, I need you. I need you right now. Lord, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth, Lord, would not be me at all. God, I pray it would be ordained by you. Jesus, I just want to be nothing more than an instrument used by you this morning. We love you so much, God. Have your way in us, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Anybody ever been stressed before? No, right? No, what is stress? I was thinking about stress the last few weeks, and it actually took me back to my childhood. And I remember my mom used to say stuff all the time about, like, I'm so stressed out. And I'm like, what is stress, right? As a kid, you're thinking stress is a made-up word. I used to think stress is a word my mom made up so she could be grouchy to me. Honestly, that's what I thought. I'm like, you're just using this as an excuse. What is stress? Because I had no concept, no idea of what stress actually is. And then adulthood hits you right in the face, right? And then you start to understand what stress is. Job, kids, family, drama, friends. All those things can cause stress. One thing I've learned too is you can be stressed out and it's not even bad things. Like I used to think, you know, if, if, One of my parents or someone said something about being stressed out. I'm like, man, there's nothing but good things happening. How are you stressed out? How do you quantify that anyway? How do you go from being stressed to stressed out? I don't know. If anyone figures that out, email me. But 
I, I don't understand. How, how can you become stressed out um, when all these good things are going on? But one thing that I figured out in life is that even good things can lead to stress. I have a lot of good things going on in my life right now. I'm not trying to brag, blessed, hashtag blessed. Come on. So, I mean, my job recently changed, and although it, it felt like a minor change, quite a bit changed for me. My wife and I found out we were pregnant on Thanksgiving, and yes, we're super excited about that. But here's the crazy thing. I have two preteens in my home and a bun in the oven, and I'm going, what? are we going to do? And then my wife starts asking me things like, so now that we're going to have one, what do you think about two? And like, you got to keep them together. And I'm like, sweetheart, I cannot go there right now. A lot of good things are happening in my life, but yet I'm still feeling stressed. A few weeks ago, I had so many things going on. I felt like there was expectations that, that other people had for me, but a lot of expectations that I was putting on myself. And I was having a a conversation with my wife and just say, man, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I feel like there's this dump truck backing up and it's just full of stress and it's just falling right on me. You ever been there before? We all have, right? It seems to be the Long Island way, right? It kind of does, right? We can't even do the speed limit around here. Just so you know, that's not normal, all right? I'm from the Midwest if I do five miles an hour over, I feel okay. I feel like I could do 15 miles an hour over here, and I've never received a speeding ticket. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right? Matt DeWitt, if you're here, don't get any ideas. But honestly, here it's like, go, 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 go. Work harder than the next guy. We got to earn. We got to keep up with everybody. Oh, your kid's in football? Well, my kid's in football, hockey, baseball, blah, 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 right? Again, to that, when I was raised, we were allowed one sports. One, all right? But it's, it's wild when I talk to people and they're like, well, we have piano and we have karate and we have that, da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, when do you eat? Like, it's just go, 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 go. All that can cause so much stress. What is stress? Well, if I were to define stress, it's when I come to this place that I just go, that's the end of me. I can't do this. I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I'm, I'm getting this drowning feeling. I'm getting this, this heaviness, this weight that is just pushing on my chest. Sometimes I physically feel stress. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not the way that Jesus wants us to live. Can I get an amen? amen. That's not what he wants for you this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to actually dive into two stories of how godly men handled some very stressful situations. And then at the very end, we're going to talk about how it applies to me and you today. Can you turn over in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6? 2 Kings 6. If you're taking notes this morning, here's my first point. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. So to save you guys from reading all of us reading chapters and chapters this morning because that could get boring and monotonous. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you the setting and then we're going to pick out a few key verses I want to focus on this morning. So here's the setting. We have the king of Aram at war with the king of Israel. And so the king of Aram, what he would do is he would set up these traps and he's trying to figure out a way that he can take out the king of Israel. So he would set up over here 
and then his plans would not work out. So then he'd move over here, and they wouldn't work out. So the Bible says that what he does is he gets all these important guys in the same room, and he says, all right, who's the rat? This is, this is my version, by the way, that you're not going to find rat in there. But who's the rat? All right, who's got the loose lips in here? How in the world is he evading us every single time? What is going on? And they're like, yo, not us. It's not us. There's actually this prophet, and his name is Elisha. And it's his fault. He's hearing from God. It's his fault. So the king says, all right, let's take him out. So what they do is they find out that Elisha is in Dothan. He's in the city of Dothan. And that is actually where our story picks up. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 14. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was all groggy and I came stumbling out of the hut and I'm doing this number and I look and see an army, I wouldn't be saying, oh, no, Lord. There'd probably be some other words that would be flying out of my mouth, right? What a way to wake up. You wake up, you look around, and there's an army there to kill you. This is interesting how Elisha answers. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now let's put this on pause again. I'm no math major, but I read there's Elisha and a servant versus an army, right? Can you imagine, put yourself in that servant's shoes. I'd be going, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two. All right, man, what is going on? What do you mean there are more with us than are with them? You would be thinking Elisha lost his marbles, right? That's what I would be thinking. What are you talking about? I love what happens after that. Verse 17 says, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. When the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. There are things, church, that's happening that we can't even see. There are, there's a battle going on that we can't see. Now listen, I'm going to read a verse, but before I get to that verse, I want to share something with you. I was born and raised in the church. I've been to a lot of church services, and I do have a pet peeve, and I want to make you aware of this pet peeve. When people try to make God weird, okay, I don't like that. God is obviously supernatural. He can obviously do miracles. Weird, no, all right? He is not weird, but there are some things that are happening that are hard for us to explain. I want to read Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a battle, there's a fight going on that we can't even see. Don't get weirded out by that. It's been happening before you and it'll be happening after you. Don't get weirded out by that. What I want to focus on is who is there with us and who is fighting on our behalf. How fitting the song that we just sang. Lindsay didn't even know what I was preaching on today. 
You ever feel surrounded? You ever feel like life is out to get you? Everywhere you turn, you're having problems at work, you're having problems at home, there's family drama, which always seems to be the case. Every time you turn around, there's something you deal with, and you literally feel surrounded the way that Elisha and his servant were surrounded. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes. Open his eyes. I want that for me and for you this morning. To, to have God open our eyes so that we can see his hand at work in our lives. Isn't that incredible? God is doing stuff on your behalf and you don't even realize it. One thing that I want to point out that I think is so cool is Elisha prayed for the servant's eyes to be opened. But what did he pray for the enemy? That they would be blinded. Isn't that crazy? That our eyes would be open. I feel like God wants to bring confusion to the things that are trying to trip you up. He doesn't want you to be okay with what is going on. He was in a very stressful situation. What really jumps out at me, though, is Elisha's trust and faith. They were incredible. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a stressful situation, I'm horrible to be around. Ask my wife. Seriously, when something is stressing me out, I go into like, ah, hey, ah, I got to fix everything mode, right? Something could be stressing me out at work, and I come home, and I empty the drawer that has all of our silverware, and I rearrange it. Why? Because I can control that, right? And I can't control other things. My wife is so amazing, and she is a blessing from God. We have, I probably shouldn't share this. Pete, you might need to edit this out. We have discussed before that if we were both like me, there would have been a murder-suicide a long time ago. But if we were both like her, we'd be late and fired and never show up to anything. So, but we, we balance each other out, okay? So when I start stressing out and freaking out, she is so amazing, and she puts her hand on my leg and says, it's all right, chillax chill. It's all good. It's not that big of a deal. She tells me that line all the time. It's not that big of a deal. To me, it feels like it. I feel like I'm surrounded. I feel like everything is out to get me. I feel like I am not in control of my own destiny one bit, and I have a problem with that. But Elisha, Elisha had trust, and he had faith. You see, Elisha knew who's in control. Where does fear come from? when I forget who's in control. That's where fear, anxiety, stress, that's where that is birthed, where my heart is off. Right? Can you imagine being in grade school and you're getting ready to take a test and you have someone next to you who has all of the answers? Are you going to stress about the test? No. Well, we get to do life with someone who has all of the answers. Why stress? Why stress? We need to have faith and trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you're taking notes, this is my second point. A matter of life and death. A matter of life and death. Can you turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2? Daniel chapter 2. Before we dive into this, I want to tell you just a really quick story. So this week my kids had off of school. It was winter break, right? And one way that I love to do my devotions 
is I like to, I'll open up the Bible app on my phone and I'll play it so I'm hearing it as I'm reading it. Because I don't know about you, this is just me being honest, sometimes when I'm reading, my mind will drift. And I'm reading about God and I'm thinking about football. How does that happen? I don't know. But something is better when I can hear it and I can read it. And usually, the way that works in my house is I get the kids on the bus at 8, I have from 8 to 9, where no one's in the house, it's nice and quiet, and that's where I can spend my time with God. So that's normally what I do, and so I'm just doing my normal routine, and my kids come in, and they're eating breakfast, and they're listening to this. And it was just so cool to hear their commentary (laughs) on this story. It was awesome. I wish you could have been there. But uh, anyway, I want to dive into this story really quick. It is about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to give you the setting again, so I can just, we don't have to read a ton. But there's a king named Nebuchadnezzar, and he's a king of Babylon, and he overtakes Jerusalem. So what he does is he goes into Jerusalem, and he takes these guys that are uh, the wise, smart, big, strong, good-looking, a lot like Pastor Ben Schneider, right? Those are the type, don't laugh, that's not nice, I was serious. Those are the kind of guys he's after, right? And he's bringing them all to Babylon so that he can use them for his benefit. So he's like, come on, you're going to come live with me, you're going to learn our ways, and you're going to help me. So what happens is Nebuchadnezzar one night has a dream. And this dream is so wild and so scary that he wakes up the next morning and he says, I have to know what that dream meant. I need to know. So the Bible says that he gets all of these people together. That included magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, these Chaldeans. He gets them together and he's like, listen, I had this wild dream. I want you to tell me what it meant. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Just tell us to dream. I said, no. I want you to tell me the dream. That way I can believe the interpretation. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not the way this works. That's not how this happens. You need to tell us the dream, and then we give you the interpretation. He said, no. You're going to tell me what it meant. And if you don't, the Bible literally says that he was going to rip them limb from limb, and their houses would be nothing but rubble when he was done with them. Talk about pressure, right? I don't know about you, but I'd be a little bit stressed. So that's what, that's what their options are. They got to come up with it, come up with an answer, or they're dead. Well, they didn't have an answer. So Nebuchadnezzar had to make good on his word. And they start rounding up all of these wise men, and they're going to kill them all. So someone shows up at Daniel's door. It's like, hey, bro, come on, come with me. We're going to rip you limb from limb, and your house is going to be nothing but rubble. He's like, whoa, what? Excuse me? What's going on? So the guy tells him, and Daniel says, all right, let me have a word with the king. So he goes and talks to the king. He's like, I need some time. Just give me a little bit of time, and you'll have your answer. That's where we're going to actually start reading. Daniel chapter 2, verse 17. This is what Daniel does after having the conversation with the king. It says, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, you might not recognize those names, but later on, you'll recognize them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he goes to his friends, and it says in verse 18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, 
Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. I love what Daniel did in that moment. He is in a very stressful situation. It's literally a matter of life and death. And what does he do? Hits his knees and prays. Hits his knees and prays. I need to learn from this. I need to learn from this because a lot of times, prayer in my life ends up the last resort and not my first option. And that is so convicting to me. Do you ever get that way? You guys obviously know I got control issues. I already shared that. So I'm always like, God, I got this one. You're busy with other things, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let me, I'll I'll try to do this. And then I do what I do best and I mess things up. And then when it's all said and done, I'm like, okay, now I should probably pray about this. That's what I do. But that is not what Daniel did. Daniel got his friends who he knew would seek the face of God with him, which I think is so important. Surround yourself with friends that will seek the face of God on your behalf and their behalf, all right? They're seeking the face of God, and God does the miraculous. He gives Daniel exactly what he was asking for. And Daniel was able to go to the king and give him the answer that he was looking for. Church, too many times in life, prayer ends up last on the list. It should not be. Again, if you're sitting next to the kid that has all the answers, you know, you're going to look to him for help, right? So why do we try to do things under our own power? You know what that leads to? Stress. That leads to stress. My life would be a lot less stressful if I would handle this the right way. Enter a situation where I need God to intervene, hit my knees, bow my head and say, God, I need you to do the impossible. Because he can and he wants to. You know what gets in the way? Me. You know what gets in the way? You. We tend to do that. That's what tends to happen. And again, when it's in my hands, I get stressed. It was never intended to be my problem. It wasn't. And I'm going to explain that to you here in a second. Our band is going to come out. We're going to begin to wrap this up. If you're taking notes again, third point, so what now? We talked about two guys in the Bible. We've got Elisha, trusted, had faith. We have Daniel, prayed. What do I do with that? What do you do with that? What do we do with this thing called stress? I'm going to read two verses that I read at the very beginning of this sermon. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those verses tell me that Jesus is just telling us there's a better way. There's a better way. We get so used to stress that we just become okay with it, right? When's the last time that you were totally stress-free, not worried about a single thing, not worried about bills, not worried about drama, not worried about work? When was the last time? Because that is what Jesus is offering to us today. Jesus uses the word yoke, and we don't use this word a lot today, right? But a yoke was used to to keep two cattle together. 
so they would work together. And Jesus is saying, you and I, we need to do life together. You and I, we need to be yoked together. See, where those cattle couldn't go two different directions. Where one went, the other went. And Jesus is reminding me this morning, Ben, I want to go with you wherever you go. I want to be a part of every situation that you're in. You're struggling with stress? Give that to me. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We can take out that word anxious and put in stressed. Don't be stressed about anything. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When I would talk to the kids on the other end, I would, I would like to use this example because it's kind of mind-blowing to me how simple it is but true. When you go up to a vending machine, you take out your wallet and you take some money out, something that you worked hard for, something that you would see as a good thing, and you, you put that money in and it gives you something good, maybe not good for you, but something you want in return, right? That's how it works. Something good for something good. Hard-earned, something good. Jesus is like a backwards vending machine, if you will. Don't quote me on that, all right? I don't want to see that on Twitter later. But you can bring to him this stress, this worry, this anxiety, and he says, give it to me, and I will give you peace, and I will give you rest, and I will love on you, and you will be able to do life the way that I've intended you to do it. Isn't that wild? That's so wild to me. It doesn't make sense. If we tried to explain, it doesn't, it's so crazy. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's not even just for your benefit. It's for the benefit of those around you. Have you ever been in a situation that maybe you should have been freaking out in and you're not, and someone walks up and says, why are you not freaking out? Why are you not stressed? You're able to talk about Jesus being a part of your life about the Holy Spirit giving you a peace that passes all understanding. That now becomes a witnessing opportunity because you chose to handle a situation the way that God intended you to. Isn't that cool? It's this ripple effect. Church, there's a better way. There's a better way, and I've been reminded of that way the last few weeks. I don't have to live stressed out. I don't have to struggle with anxiety. Anxiety is such a real thing right now. And Jesus is tapping you and me on the shoulder, saying, you don't have to do it. You can give it to me today. Will you guys stand with me this morning? If there's one thing that I know to be true in life, it's this. Jesus changes everything. If that's one thing that I know to be true, Jesus changes everything. Your day-to-day. Sometimes we wait for the big things, right? Like, oh, now we need to pray because someone's sick. He wants to be a part of every second of every day. 
because there is a better way and it is with Him in your life. I've been struggling with this and I know if I'm going through it, there's probably others in this room going through it with me. Maybe you're not in that place now, but at some point, we're all going to experience stress. Can we just take some notes? Can we take some notes this morning? What did Elisha do? What did Daniel do? Trusted, had faith, prayed. They took it to the one who could actually do something about it. How many times in life do we stress over things that we can't even change? A lot. This morning, I want to and I want to encourage you to take it to the one who can change the situation. We're going to pray together as a congregation here in a second. But before we do, I want to point out the fact that we have a phenomenal prayer team in the back. And they're here for you this morning. They have been praying all week for this moment. And I don't want this moment to pass you by. Maybe you need something a little extra this morning and you just say, you know what, I need someone to pray with me. Daniel did. He went to his friends and said, will you pray with me? We have an awesome prayer team in the back that want to pray with you this morning. But I want to speak to everybody in this place today. I know I'm saying it over and over and over. There is a better way. Will you guys pray with me this morning? Can we just give this thing that we struggle with called stress to him? If you feel comfortable, just shoot your hands in the air as a sign of surrender, as a sign to say, God, I give it to you, as a sign to say, God, you are in control. God, we bring to you this thing that we're struggling with called stress. We bring it to you because we need you to deal with it. I can't anymore. God, I'm not strong enough. I wasn't ever meant to carry this. God, forgive me for trying when I shouldn't even be trying. I should just be giving it to you and walking in peace and authority that you have given me, that you have promised me in your word. God, I pray for those in this room that are just struggling with stress right now, struggling with anxiety right now. Lord, I pray that they would look to the promises of God, that they would believe every word that is written in this book, that are for them, that are for me. Lord, I know there's a better way. You offer it to us. Jesus, we choose you today. We choose you. God, I give it to you. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.